Now, last week, we started talking about the goodness of God. We started discussing about how that we are to rejoice in His goodness. And in Psalms 31, 19, we pointed out to you, and let's pull that up there. It says, How great is thy goodness, which you have laid up for them that fear you. From them that fear you. Another translation says, How great is the goodness that you have stored up for those who fear you. And remember, we talked quite a bit on the correlation between the goodness of God and experiencing His goodness and the fear of the Lord and seeking God. Now, there's no question about it. Will you agree with me today that God's good? Would you also agree with me that we could all experience more of His goodness? Amen? Amen? So I believe this, that fearing the Lord and seeking the Lord are major keys to experiencing a greater degree of His glory and of His goodness in our daily walk, in our daily life. It's really, really important. Now, we don't do works to qualify for God's goodness. Goodness is a free gift. But there are levels and there are degrees of His goodness that God wants us to experience. You know, the Scripture talks about us going from glory to glory We could say it this way, we're going from goodness to goodness. Now remember that God equates glory and goodness in the same sentence. He says, I will cause all of my goodness or my glory to pass before thee when he was talking to Moses. Now I just want to take a look today for a little while at some of the glorious, glorious benefits of walking in the fear of the Lord. Look with me at Psalms 34, and let's just bring us up to date on a couple of these scriptures. Psalm 34, verses 9, right on through verse 13, says, O fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any what? So we see fearing the Lord and seeking the Lord in the same context and experiencing of His goodness. We, we found out last week that God is in fact a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Have I got any diligent seekers of the Lord in this place? And then we quoted Ezra 8.22 where it says, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek Him. Amen. And then in Psalm 34, 11, he says, Come, you children, and hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. In verse 12 and 13, What is man that desires life? That's all of us, isn't it? And loves many days, that he may see good. Verse 13, let's read it together. Keep thy tongue from evil... And thy lips from speaking guile. So we discussed last week, if you want to see good from a good God, we must learn to speak good. Amen? God who is good has his own language. And the redeemed of the Lord need to then learn the language of redemption. Amen? We have a language of redemption that's in alignment with his word. Now, we discussed this. Two major keys in receiving goodness. Say it with me. The fear of the Lord. 
and seeking the Lord. Now, before that we define what really the fear of the Lord is and look at some of the benefits of the fear of the Lord, I want to look at a couple other types of fear. You know, before you can really define what something is, you need to first of all look at what it is not. The first kind of fear that we want to take a look at is found in Isaiah 29 in verse 13. This is what we would call a formal fear. This is a fear that is taught by man, not by God. It is a legalistic kind of fear. It is a gruff kind of fear. It is the kind of fear that causes people to run away from God rather than run to God. I mean, that's what I was like when I was a little boy. I wanted nothing to do with God because I thought that God had a big fly swatter up there in heaven. And any time I messed up, I was going to get hit. So no wonder I ran from God. And no wonder some of you ran from God. And maybe there's some here today that are still running from God because you have a twisted image of who God is. This kind of fear in Isaiah 29, 13 says, Wherefore the Lord says, For as much as this people draw near with me with their mouth and with their lips, they do honor me but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Taught by the precept of men. Some of this in today's world translates into how you dress, whether you wear makeup or not. You know, I'm all for anything that works. I'm all for anything that helps. How about you? You know, if the barn needs paint and paint it. But, you know, just legalism. You, you can't wear any jewelry. Um, you know, uh, man, you, you, just, you, you just can't do this and you can't do that. The do's and the don'ts and the don'ts and the do's. That's not God. God's not a God of do's and don'ts. God's a God of grace. God's a God of mercy. Now, he's outlined things in his word for us to stay away from, truly enough. But, you know, he's not out to get us. He's out to bless us. He's not out to hurt us. He's out to help us. So this, this fear that is taught by religion causes people to cower down and be afraid of God. The second kind of fear is a devilish fear. In 2 Timothy 1.7, I'll just quote it to you. You can quote it yourself. But it says, for God has not given us what? The spirit of what? The spirit of fear. The spirit of fear comes from an evil spirit. But what has he given us? He's given a spirit of power and love. Oh, that's good news, isn't it? So this devilish fear, it has torment. Listen to this quote. It's never safe to look into the future with eyes of fear. Much of the fear that comes against our lives and this world and this atmosphere, not in here, but outside these walls, this whole world system is charged with the spirit of fear. The media is charged with the spirit of fear. I mean, you have got to develop an atmosphere of faith if you're going to live in this world. Faith will always overcome every fear. But much fear 
is based on something that hasn't happened yet. You ever notice that? So much of the fears that come against us are really about things that are never going to happen. Or never even close to happening. You see, the Bible says that fear is tormenting. Fear has torment. Anybody ever gone through some torment in their lives about something that never happened? The enemy will always present to you the worst case scenario. I mean, you may get a pain in your side and you say, oh, it's pancreatic cancer. You may have a a little headache and say, oh, I'm having a stroke. No, you ain't having a stroke. Glory to God. You got to put fear and resist it and have nothing to do with it every day of your life. You see, a lot of young people are afraid of the future. I mean, they see what's going on in the world and they say, what kind of future is there for me? Even people in middle age and over and older age, oh, said over age. <laughs> Jesus said it this way. He says, men's hearts will fail them for dread and apprehension and the expectations of things that are coming on this world. You see, fear of the future is a very, very powerful force that comes against our soul. And that is why we need to stay in this book. We need to stay in the Word. Because I don't see anything from Genesis to the book of Revelation that gives me fear of the future. But I see from Genesis to Revelation, victory upon victory upon victory. And whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Say with me, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. Now, when you get a revelation of how much God loves you, there is no fear in love. Your father has you. He has your back. He has your front. He has your entire life. And He has plans and purposes for every one of you in this auditorium today. When you understand how much He loves you and how much good He has for you in your life, that will dispel every trace of fear in your life. Say with me, my Father father has good things things in store for me. me. My My future is not dark. My future is bright. For I choose this day to walk in the light of my redemption. His plans, His purposes are good for me. Therefore, I am expecting great and glorious things to come my way every day. Now, let's get into it today. Godly fear. What is godly fear? What is this reverential fear of the Lord that will position you and I for greater goodness in our lives? First of all, I want to say to you that the fear of the Lord is to have respect for Him because of who He is and because He's what He done because of what He's done in your life. The fear of the Lord 
A person that fears the Lord respects the Lord so much that they obey Him in whatever He says to do. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. He says, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him? And to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day. And whose good is it for? So, in other words, God has placed before you things to do. The greatest commandment that he has given all believers is the commandment to love. Amen? The commandment to love. When I'm loving you as Christ loves me, and when I see the world the way that God sees them, I'm keeping His commandments. I'm walking in His ways. When I walk in love, and when you walk in love, you're walking in the reverential fear of the Lord. And the scripture says that it is for your good. What is this saying to us? It's saying that it is for your good to walk in love. Husbands, have you found that to be right? It's for your good to walk in love toward your mate? Have you discovered that when you forgive a person when they don't deserve forgiveness, that it does you good? And so that's part of the fear of the Lord. Notice with me in the next verse we're going to look at. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 says, Let us hear the whole conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's the whole duty of man to fear the Lord. Then Proverbs 8, verse 13. It says, The fear of the Lord is to love evil. Oh, did I get that wrong? The fear of the Lord is to what? Now, we're not to hate people, but we can hate evil. One thing I hate for sure is I hate sickness and disease. I hate what it does to people. I hate what it's done to some people in my family. I hate sickness and disease with a passion. That's why we lay hands on the sick here. You know what else I hate? I hate poverty. I hate lack with a passion. Why do you hate poverty so much? I don't hate the poor. I love the poor. We do what we can to help the poor. But have you seen what poverty does to people? In third world countries? Have you seen what poverty does to people in certain areas in the Bay Area? You go into certain areas in the Bay Area and there's so much poverty and there's so much weight in that, in that area. And what you, what you come away with is despondency. People are hopeless because of lack and because of poverty. I hate it. That's why I'm going to preach that we serve a good God. And that God supplies all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And if you will trust Him, He will cause the desires of your heart to be met.
I declare war on poverty. I declare war on lack. In the name of Jesus, say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. Here's another thing that the fear of the Lord will do for you. Walking in the fear of the Lord will motivate you to depart from evil. You don't want to do anything that would disrupt His presence in your life. Amen? Amen. Walking in the fear of the Lord again will enable you to restrain yourself from giving in to your flesh. Amen. When we live in the reverential fear of the Lord, we will live a godly life. Living a godly life in a godless society is something. I better say that again. Living a godly life in a godless society is something to be noted. That doesn't mean that we're better and holier than thou. No, we're living separate. We're living sanctified. We're living pure lives for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Now, godliness has to do with having a continual awareness of God. And living a life that is pleasing to Him. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. 1 Timothy, the 4th chapter, and the 8th verse. It says here, For bodily exercise does you no good at all. Is that right? Did I read it right? No, it doesn't say that it profits nothing. It says it profits little. And I've decided that I'm going to take the little that it does profit. Because if I hadn't taken the little that it has profited the last 35 years of my life, I'd probably be about 450 pounds. <laughs> so it profits little. Take the profit that it profits. Amen. Boy, I better stop. <laughs> but godliness is profitable unto what? It's profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is. And of the life which is to come. Brother Hagen said it this way, the life that now is, is where I is right now. Godliness is profitable. Now, how many businessmen or businesswomen do we have in the house today? Okay, we have some. So at the end of the year, do you want to show a profit or do you want to show a loss? You want to show a profit. I believe that God wants all of his people to profit. Not only that, he not only wants us to profit for ourselves... But he wants our profiting to appear to all men. Amen? He wants people to see that we're gaining. He wants people to see that we're profiting in this life. He wants your marriage to show profit. He wants your life to be a witness 
to those around you. You see, the scripture says that godliness and contentment is great gain. That's 1 Timothy 4.6, right? 1 Timothy 4.6. It says godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Great gain. Amen? How many folks want to gain in life? How many folks want a profit in life? Well, then, live a godly life. Because there's profit available to you in the here and in the now. Now, I want to go through ten things rather quickly today. I'm not going to keep you here all day. But I want to go through ten things that are beneficial to those who will fear the Lord. Ten things... And benefits of those who will operate and function in godliness. Amen? Amen. Y'all ready? Number one, angels encamp around you and deliver you. Angels encamp around you and deliver you. And that's found in Psalm 34 verse 7. It says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. And delivers them. So what this is saying that you will experience deliverance and preservation from God. That the angels will surround and protect you. When you walk in the fear of the Lord, you're making a decision to walk in security. Some of you have been keeping your angels pretty busy lately. I thank God the angels of the Lord are encamping around about you. Brenda's going to come up and tell you a little story about angels. Amen? Come on up here, sweetie. Isn't she cute? (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, let me just tell you this quickly. There was a young missionary who was home on furlough, and he told this incredible story while he was attending his home church in Michigan. So his story begins that while he was serving there in Africa, he would have to go into town every two weeks to get medical supplies because they had a little medical station set up out in the bush. So on one of his journeys into town to get the medical supplies, he saw a couple of men that were having an altercation and they were fighting. And so he stopped and one of them needed medical attention. He took out his supplies and he uh, attended to the guy physically and he went on out into the bush and he had to spend the night out there well upon the arrival the next two weeks he went back into town and upon arriving in the city once again he was approached by one of the young men that he had treated and this young man told him we knew that you were carrying money and medications so me and some of my friends followed you out into the jungle knowing that you would have to camp overnight We plan to kill you and take all of your money and your medical supplies. But just as we were about to move into your camp, we saw that you were surrounded by 26 armed guards. At this, the missionary began to laugh. And he said, I certainly was not surrounded by 26 armed guards out in the jungle. The young man pressed the point, however, and he said, Oh, yes, you were, sir. I was not the only one who saw them. All of my five friends, we saw them, we counted them, and it was 26 
And so we left you alone. At this point in his message, one of the men in the congregation couldn't stand it any longer. He jumped to his feet and he interrupted the missionary. And he asked him if he could tell him the exact day that this had happened. The missionary told him the date. The man who interrupted told him this story. On the night of your incident in Africa, it was morning here. I was preparing to go play golf. That doesn't sound like anything super spiritual. I was about to putt when I felt this extreme urge to pray for you. In fact, the urge grew so strong that I left the golf course and I called several men to come and meet me here in the sanctuary to pray for you. This is phenomenal. Would all of those men who met with me on that day please stand up? The men stood up. The missionary wasn't concerned about who they were, but began to count them. There were 26. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So there's angels that are assigned to you. Just make sure you go the speed limit. This room right now is full of angels. It's full of angels. And they're just hearkening to the voice of His Word. Glory to God. Thank God the angels of the Lord. And camp around about those that just authentically, I reverence you, Lord. Do you have to be perfect? When we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're not, we're not talking about being perfect. We're just talking about having a good heart. In your heart, you want to do what's right. In your heart, you just want to, you want to obey what God has given you to do. The second thing, and I, by the way, I've got a list of these for you as you go out today. So these ten things you can take home and study and you can act on yourself. It's really, really rich. Number two, days are added to your life. If days are being added to your life, that's increase. That's gain. And that's profit, right? Look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27. It says that the fear of the Lord shortens your days. No. For the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. Number three, you will avoid the snares of death. You will avoid the snares of death. Proverbs 14, 27 says this. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. Glory to God. Read that with me. Ready, read. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Mm-mm-mm. A fountain of life. Number four. You will be satisfied and evil will not visit your house. Proverbs 19.23 says the fear of the Lord tendeth to life and he that hath it 
shall abide or live satisfied. And he shall not be visited with evil. Amen. That means that you can stand on the word of God for you never experiencing a home robbery. You can stand on the word of God that says no evil shall befall me. Neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. You know what else is evil? Accidents are evil. I believe that we ought to take authority over accidents. Nothing ever good comes out of an accident. Say it with me. No evil. No accident. Is going to befall me. Neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. For the Lord has given his angels charge over me and they're keeping me in all my ways glory to God I said glory to God Woo! you shall not be visited with evil what's the opposite of evil I'm going to be visited with good hallelujah you and I we're not the ones that are overcome by evil You and I are the ones that overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. And God is a good God. Mm. That means you're not going to be visited with bankruptcy. You're not going to be visited with foreclosures. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number five, you will have riches, honor, and life as a reward. Say it with me. I will have riches and honor and life as a reward. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says this, The reward of humility and the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Oh my gosh. I feel like going into the preaching mode right now. Number one, riches. Number two, honor. Brother, when God honors you with his presence, you've been honored. Riches and honor and life. Life as God has it. But notice with me, it's connected to the fear of the Lord. That tells you why some people don't have any money. It tells you why some people don't have any honor. You cannot honor yourself as a way of life. Come on. And expect the honor of God in your life. You cannot just go and do your own thing and expect riches. And expect the presence of God. Look at your neighbor and say, that's not us. Say, I don't know who he's talking about. He ain't talking about me. Because I fear the Lord. I fear the Lord big time. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Number six, fearing God is your treasure. Fearing God is your treasure. In Isaiah 33, in verse 6, in the Amplified Version, it says, And there shall be stability in your times, and abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. If there ever was a time where you and I needed to have some stability, it's in the times that we live. When the world is unstable, those who fear the Lord will be stable. Not only shall we be stable, but we'll have wisdom to know what to do every day of our life. What the world doesn't have any clue on, you and I have the knowledge of. When the world throws up their hands and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. We're going to be able to say, the wisdom of God is formed on the inside of me. The spirit of truth leads me and guides me into all the truth. I'm filled with the wisdom and knowledge of him. Amen. Amen. Listen, guys. There shall be stability in your times. All the days of my life, I claim that I'm going to be stable. Amen. Somebody says, what if the earthquake stability? An abundance of salvation. Abundance of deliverance. Abundance of healing. Abundance of wholeness. An abundance of wisdom and knowledge. The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is your treasure. And His. What this is saying is when we fear the Lord, we're valuing it to such a degree that it's such a treasure that it honors God and it brings Him glory. Amen. Number seven. This one is awesome. I want to read it, first of all, from the King James Version. And then I want to look at it from the uh, Amplified. When you fear the Lord, you will receive revelations about the blessings that God has prepared for you. Say that with me. When I fear the Lord, I will receive revelations about the blessings that God has prepared for me. Now look at that in the Amplified Version. That's Psalm 25, verse 14, Amplified. And I'll wait till we get there. Again, Psalm 25. And verse 14. Notice this verse. I ask you today, did you wear your shouting clothes? I'm going to ask this section over here. Did you wear your shouting clothes? How about this section here? Did you wear your shouting clothes? How about over here? Oh, that was weak. How about over here? How about over here in Amen Alley? Hallelujah. Let's all together now shout Amen. Good. Look at this verse. It says, The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord. There ain't nothing sweeter in life than having Him as your companion. Ooh, hallelujah. Just raise your hand and say, Lord, I drink in of your presence today. I drink in of the living water. Of your sweet companionship. Oh, hallelujah. Whoo, hallelujah. 
the secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who do their own thing. Mm-mm. Have they who fear, revere, and do what? Now, one way you worship Him is you worship Him with your service. And, He's not done yet. He will show them His covenant. Mm. Woo! We have a covenant with a covenant-keeping God. He said, my covenant I will not break, nor will I alter the things that have gone forth of my lips. Listen to this. He will show them his covenant. And he will reveal to you its deep inner meaning. Oh, You know, I thank God for what I've seen in his covenant. But I know there's a whole lot more to see. I thank God that the eyes of my understanding have been enlightened, but I'm thanking Him that they are continuously being enlightened. And I'm going to be able to see some things I've never seen before. And those things that are hidden to the world are open and revealed to those who will fear Him. Oh, that's good. Say this to me. He will show me His covenant And he will reveal to me its deep inner meaning. Mm, mm, mm. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Number eight. We got three more to go. Number eight. You will receive an abundance of his grace and mercy. Psalms 103.11 says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those that fear Him. Verse 13 says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. Verse 17 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and His righteousness unto our children's children. Now listen very carefully. If you want to get the blessing on your children and your children's children, you live for God. I say, you just live for God. You just settle it in your spirit. I'm going to live for God every day of my life. I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for God. Amen. When our kids were babies, there was no question whether or not our babies were going to be in church. When it was Sunday, it was time to be in church. Amen. What they saw in the living room is the same thing they saw in the pulpit, for the most part. Amen. You want God's blessing upon your kids? Then you serve God. You reverence God. Amen. And then number nine, you will receive divine wisdom as well as long life. Long life. In Proverbs 9, verse 10 and 11, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be what? 
Is that gain? Is that profit? You bet it is. And then last but not least, your children and future generations will be blessed and you will experience financial blessings and prosperity. I'm going to say it again. Your children and future generations will be blessed and you will experience financial blessings and prosperity. Psalms 112, verse 1. Psalm 112, verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord. That delights greatly in his commandments. In other words, gets happy in the word. And delights greatly at keeping his commandments. Verse 2. This is shouting ground right here. His seed shall be anemic upon the earth. No. His seed. That means your kids. That means your grandkids. That means your great-grandkids. That means your sons and your daughters in the faith. I prophesy over this church, this seed shall be mighty upon the earth. Glory to God. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. That's God being good to you, man. I said, that's God being good to you. When your seed is mighty upon the earth. Hallelujah. When your seed serves God with the same fervor and multiplied than what you're serving him with. Your seed is going to be mighty. Somebody says, right now my seed don't look mighty, they look anemic. You stay in faith. You keep fearing the Lord. You keep praising. You keep praying. You keep declaring the word of God. And your seed shall be mighty. Your seed's going to be mighty on the earth. No question about it. This is our covenant that we have with a covenant-keeping God. He keeps His Word. He watches over His Word to perform it. Don't be moved by what you see. Be moved only by what you believe. (coughs) They start acting like the devil. You just say, none of these things move me. My seed is going to be mighty. Mighty on the earth. Mighty. Hallelujah. I think this is shouting ground, guys. My seed is going to be mighty on the earth. Because I fear God. And I walk in the reverential presence of God. And it just gets off on my kids. It gets off on my loved ones. You know what? It's even getting off on some of you today. 
Everyone smile real big. Say with me, my seed is going to be mighty. My seed is mighty. Say with me, my seed is mighty. Well, I know when they get to heaven, they'll be mighty. No, on the earth. My seed is mighty. Hallelujah. My seed is mighty. Look at your neighbor and say, my seed is mighty. Sister says, well, I don't have any seed. Well, you can have what you say. My seed is mighty on the earth. I declare that our spiritual seed right here in the Bay Area is mighty. Right here in one of the darkest areas in the world, the seed of Abraham rises up and is mighty in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mighty God, mighty revival, mighty seed. Hallelujah. Praise you the Lord. Blessed is the man. That word blessed there means empowered to prosper. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord. That delights greatly in his commandments. You're not delighting greatly in his commandments when you never open the book. You're not delighting greatly in his commandments when you fall asleep in church. Now the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. And the generation of the upright shall be blessed. He didn't stop there. In verse 3, read it with me. He said, wealth and riches shall be in his house and his righteousness endureth hallelujah just some food for thought the goodness of God the fear of the Lord and seeking God go together I pray that all of these things become a reality in all of our lives Lord God In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I hope you got something out of this morning's message. Amen.